0: Praise God. So, what we said there earlier, you can control the atmosphere of your life through your praise. So what do you desire the atmosphere of your life to be? Do you desire the atmosphere of your life to be angst and, and droughts and times where you feel dry in your life, or do you seek peace, do you seek blessing, do you seek joy? I mean, what do we want? <laughs> How do you get that atmosphere in your life? I believe it starts with your praise and your worship. Oh, <laughs> It's just, wow. God is good. I believe when God inhabits the atmosphere of your life, you will be blessed. God's best is available to all who make a habit of your praise. But the question I have for you, what does God's best mean to you today? I think it's. Uh, I think I've think made it clear before, and I'd like to make it clear again, I'm not very much a prosperity guy. I believe blessing comes in many ways, and that's what I'd like to focus on today. Uh, as the church, we, some, uh, Areas some churches have been very focused on just the financial aspect of blessing and today. I'd like to really uh, Broaden our view of this uh, What God's blessing really means to us because it is so much more than the amount of money in your bank account And so if you fell in love with Jesus because you thought that He would automatically make things easy and prosperous for you. I can tell you that's not real love, that you got things mixed up. (laughs) Jesus doesn't promise this an easy, bountiful life, but what he does promise is that he is worth every bit of what you will go through in your life. So saying, if I say I love Jesus, it's not born out of what he's going to do for me, It's born out of what he has already done for me. Okay, so that's, I believe that's real love. I fell in love with the Savior because of what he's already done. And I have great anticipation that he's got more in store for me. But right now the blood is enough. It is more than enough for me. So I thank God for for redeeming us and saving us. And I, I look out in this congregation, I see uh, a congregation full of people who have already made that election and have already made that call to follow Jesus. And I, I'm glad for that. And so this, this message today, I think, should just be a way to remind us and focus us. It's so funny how we go from having Thanksgiving Day to then going even now, it starts at Thanksgiving night at 5 p.m., and people go bombard these stores and sit thankful for what you've got, but then we run and bombard these stores to get more junk and more stuff. And um, it's, it's just so, it's so confusing to me. And I've been just as guilty about it. I love a good deal. That's just the way I am. It's the thrill of the hunt. You know. So it, it, there's, But we've got some things backwards in this culture, in this, in this world that we live in. And, uh, but what I could say is I am blessed. You are blessed. We are blessed because of a a loving Savior. And um, so that reminder is for us today. And as we conclude this series on the power of praise, uh, really the title is the blessing in our praise. And to say, I am blessed, I believe that is why our praise is, is exciting, our thankfulness, our worship, our exaltation of God. So when we're talking about, when we say praising God, we're thanking him, blessing him. Look at what you've done for me already, and I believe where you're going to take me. And it's okay to get excited about Jesus, right? It's okay to be excited. It's okay to be thrilled about this. So that's why I say, you know, when we walk in, there, there, there might be a, a way that we think church should go, and I think the way God wants it, He just wants to do whatever He wants to do every single time we get here. So let's just be ready and open for it, Amen. And so, it's okay to get excited about Jesus. It's it's good to be excited and to want to praise, and I I, I think I don't I don't praise the Lord because I have to. I praise because I want to. There's a lot of things I I should be doing, right? There's a lot of things I I have to do or I should be doing, like working out. I should be eating right. I should be mowing the lawn every week or whatever it is, whatever's on the laundry list. There's things that we should do. But I praise because I want to. There's a a big difference in our, our motivation or our drive to do something when there is a desire, right? And there's a big difference when there is not a desire. Think about your work for for instance. You're in a workplace. If you hate that job, you're not gonna be driven to work hard. If you love what you do, you're gonna be driven every day. So if you love the Lord, that should drive us every day. That is what I'm trying to instill into us today. This is not about some obligation we should desire, we should be excited. And maybe that, ne- that takes time. Maybe we need a little bit of refreshment, a renewal in our spirit. I know I need that constantly. I think that's what, how the Holy Spirit works. We get in a rut, we get stuck in life. We get caught up in so many things. But when we just sit there and abandon, just say, surrender, say, Lord, I don't, I don't know what needs to be done, but I just need something fresh. I need you to renew my spirit, Lord. I feel like that is the, exactly what just happened for myself, even just 10 minutes ago. Walking in here, just feeling a new wind, a refreshing wind. Praise because we want to, because he's worth it, because he's worthy of it. I think Jesus should be the very center of our thought and our, our thinking, our, our emotion. But the problem is this is becoming less and less a reality when we don't make praise our habits of our lives. So continuing, I had 12 total, 12 total points uh, for this series and I'm gonna pick up at number 10. This is praise switches our focus off of the material and onto the supernatural. And if you wanna make this note, the blessings of the Lord are in a mind that dwells in heavenly realities. A mind not focused on material gain that pleases God. You can't help but feel blessed when you dwell on heavenly realities. The heavenly realities of our redemption, the life that God has planned for you, those are exciting things and it brings you peace. And that is a blessing. The providence of God lies in our contentment, in Him as our source. That providence can mean many things. It can be financial. It can be financial, or it could just be contentment in what we have. (laughs) There's a lot of ways that we are blessed, but I believe it all starts with when we make God the very source of our life, the source of our financial means, the source of our talents, our gifts, that is where the contentment lies. And we open up an environment of blessing when God becomes our absolute source. And I believe that. And I would like to back that up with scripture in just a moment. But I don't want to settle for anything less than God's best for me. I mean, the thing is, don't get caught up in, in, on money when I say this. And that is the thing I want to drive home today. Money is fleeting, but your eternal glory, that's forever. That is our promise, our ultimate promise, our treasure in heaven. That is our ultimate reward. It blesses me when God uses me, though, on this earth to make an impact on lives. It blesses me when God heals, when God directs me or gives me a word, when God provides a financial need for me. Yes, that is, that is blessing. And it comes in so many forms. Blessing does not just equal money. Amen i got so many people have got that mixed up, I think. Money is such a big driving force in this culture. And listen, I, I'm, God has blessed me. I'm just gonna open that up. God has blessed me throughout my life. I've never had a want or need that he could not provide and did not provide. And I believe that and I believe it's because he has been my source. Amen. But there will be high times and there'll be low times. And so what I don't want us to do as Christians is see when we have financial struggle happening, that that is God just coming against you. There's going to be times of prosperous living, and there might be times of sacrifice. There might be times where we have to go through some suffering, but he promises that it's worth it. And that is the driving thing today. And you are blessed because of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read out of Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Once again, lots of scripture. So get your reading glasses out if you need them. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. I think this is so clearly put here. It's just going to take a little bit of time to go through the scripture. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. I'm going to stop there for a moment and continue on, so keep your place there. It's very clear here. The things that Paul lost, he was pretty successful before God called him. He was doing pretty well. And then he saw this this need and this calling that God placed on his life, and he kind of pushed him right into it, really. (laughs) And Paul then says, I've counted loss for Christ, yet indeed I count all these things lost for the excellence of the knowledge whom I've suffered. And he says, I count them as rubbish. The things that I once cared for, the things that I once treasured, I count them as rubbish. For the sake of Christ Jesus. What an incredible mindset. I don't think we're there. I'm just being honest. I don't think we're there. If you lost your home, your car, all of the treasures, all the possessions that you have worked so hard for, and you lost those things, would you say, well, it's for the sake of Christ, so praise God, I count them all as trash. I don't think we're there. I'm just being honest, I don't think I'm there. I feel like that would hurt. Especially with two kids, that would hurt. So that's what makes it so profound. We think just because this was written a couple thousand years ago, it didn't hurt. The sufferings that they went through. Not knowing what would happen the next day to follow Christ. But yet he counts himself blessed says it's all rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Hallelujah. Verse 12, not that I have already attained or I am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, the reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if, it, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Verse 17, Brethren, join in following my example and know that those who so walk as you, have, as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that I may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. These are important reminders of this wealth and these possessions fade, but Christ stands forever. Paul then offers this, this call to press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God and Christ Jesus in verse 15 he emphasizes, therefore let us as many as are mature have this mind. So Paul equates this thinking of not being focused on material gain. He equates this to mature thinking as Christians. Do you see that? Do you see the relations show? So maturity in Christ means dwelling on heavenly realities and not earthly treasure, earthly, earthly realities. And so we see here it's this, this issue of the, the perishing crown versus the eternal crown. What is the prize you run toward today? That is the question. And so if you feel like you're behind family or friends, you feel like you're behind in life, you don't have the same status, you don't have the same size house, you don't have the same cars, you don't have the same amount in your bank account, you have more debt, more of this or that. Let me just tell you something. None of it matters. You're running toward an eternal crown, an eternal prize. So, your reward is ultimately in Christ Jesus and not in the things. So, if you're comparing apples to apples, you have Christ and someone else doesn't, nothing else matters that they have. Possessions don't matter, they don't go with you. Amen. And so, while we might not be promised an easy rich life, God can. And will provide for you. I'm not contradicting myself here. I'm saying get your focus off of things, let Him be your source, and then see how He moves in your life. That is the truth. This church might not be here if God did not supernaturally work in people to provide. In your life, my life, and lives of people here, there's probably a lot of testimonies of the miracles. That God has done in our finances. And so it can and will happen. What I'm trying to tell you is get your mind off of it. Use Him as your source. And allow Him to work. Allow the blessings of God to work. Pursue the eternal crown. And allow everything else to line up as He will. Because I believe praise. A life of praise opens the door for God's best for us. Whatever that might be. It opens the doors. And that's why I believe ultimately your praise controls the atmosphere of your life. Okay? I'm trying to bring this all together to that first bit. I might not have all the riches in the world, but I serve a good God who gives so much grace. Grace that I never deserved. and He gives that to me freely when I pursue him. And he makes a way when there so often seem to be no way. Is there anybody that can testify to that? There was no way out. There was no way through it, but he made a way anyways. Amen. Amen. And he loves me when I am oftentimes most unlovable. And he provides my needs according to his riches and glory. The kingdom of God is not in short supply. Amen. The kingdom of God is not in short supply. Whatever your need is, he can provide. Trust Him as your source this morning. Point number 11, praise makes room for God's blessing over our lives. And so let me give you the counterpoint. (laughs) The opposites of praise and, and faith in God will block God's best for your life. And I gave four last week, and I'll remind you, those were silence, when we're quiet, we're not lifting up the praises of God, we're just being shut up and we're just sitting there quiet. Opposite of praise. Doubting. That's the one I'm going to focus on here in just a bit. Busyness. Got so caught up in our career and all of the little events going on. We're not focusing on our prayer life, our, our, our prayer and our worship. And the last one being blame. Blaming our troubles on God or blaming our troubles on the devil and playing the victim mentality instead of focusing on our, on our defender and not the attacker. So if you would please turn with me to 2 Kings, chapter seven, this is a short passage. I don't have the New Living Translation, but uh, what I do like about that is it puts measurements in, in our standards, court and cups and things like that. And I think that would help here, but I'm gonna still read out of the New King James Version. Um, but basically, you know, this would, when we say a sea of fine flour, you know, I don't know what the exact measurement is, but it could be a few quarts to a, a coin of silver. So I want to help clarify before you get confused by this. And it says, Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, a sea of flour, fine flour shall be, sold, <laughs> Lord help me, shall be sold for a shekel and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, look, if the Lord would even make the windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Let me clarify a few things. We're dealing right now with doubt. The root of this issue right now is doubt. The costs at this time would have been much higher for this fine flour and for this barley. And Elisha is saying, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, you're going to be able to buy these things, these needs, for pennies on the dollar. He's going to provide this for you at such a nice price that you can afford. And the officer is saying, look, even if God would open the windows of heaven... I don't believe this thing could happen. And so Elisha's replying, he says, in fact, you shall see it, so it's going to happen, but you're not going to benefit from it. So we're saying the opposite here. This, this opposite is doubting. Doubting in what the promise of God is, and doubting what the word of the Lord says. God was trying to provide a blessing for this officer. However, his unbelief blots that blessing. And so when I say praise makes room for God's blessing over your life, the opposites of praise, I believe, block God's best for you. Because we're not focused on him. And I think I think so often we, we do this where we distrust the Lord as our source, and we take matters into our own hands, and we get caught up in spreadsheets and calculators and we see this number and this thing's not lining up and I don't see how this is going to work out God even if you open the windows of heaven this thing could not happen I could not afford this there's no way so he's saying okay well if you don't trust me then that blessing's not for you When we focus on the worldly realities, folks, I, I think it blocks the heavenly realities. I think we see this more often in scripture than we realize. God wants to bless. God wants to provide. And so often we block that, that need because we don't trust him as our source. We only see the worldly realities and rather than the heavenly realities. The kingdom of God is in no short supply. And like I said before, there was so many financial miracles, I believe, that happened personally in my life over this church. I can attest to that. And when the need was greatest, when matters needed to be taken into our own hands, if you just trust God as a source, let him lead you. It's so hard to do that nowadays. You're told from everywhere not to do that. It's difficult, and I understand. But I'm telling you, this is right. This is the word. God is saying to trust as your source and allow that provision to happen. If we can't trust God with our finances, what else are we distrusting him with? Amen. I don't believe God will block his goodness and his best from us when we make praise a part of our life. When we are obedient to our call to worship, our call to follow him, I believe the blessing follows. And let's look at Deuteronomy 28 and see what is said about that. Very familiar passage. Start at verse 1. You might be able to quote half of this. But do you believe it? That's the question. Deuteronomy 28. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord... Your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you, overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. That is not just for the nation of Israel. That is for all of God's Verse 3, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. We used that last week. The Lord will command the blessing on you and your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. That's exciting. Come on. Amen. Amen. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. You see the resounding trend If you obey, if you keep, if you praise, whatever you have to do, our commandment is to be worshipers. That is what we're here for. We're here to glorify, magnify the Lord and worship Him. How do we be obedient to the call of God? That is a part of your call. Praising and worshiping daily, making it a part of your habit. That is how we're being obedient. What does that bring in? The Lord will establish you as a holy people to Himself, just as He has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord, your God, and walk in His ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods, and the fruit of your body, and the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the works of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right or to the left, to go after gods to serve them. Just a few weeks ago, we talked about the idols of your life, the gods of your life, whatever they are. Is it material possession? Has that become idol worship in your life? This is all coming together as one, folks. And I think the word is there for a reason. I think God put it on my heart to share with you for a reason. I think this is a problem in the church, not just here, but in America. We need to get our minds off of earthly realities and get them on heavenly realities today. Amen. Praise and worship is a requirement from God. So it is being obedient to his call when we do this, but he is giving us a promise. He's giving you a promise. He's not saying I might do these things. He's saying I will do these things. I will do these things for you. You shall be the head and not the tail. Amen. (laughs) Obeying God's commands needs to be our pleasure. It doesn't need to feel like an obligation but an opportunity, amen? Amen. Praising and worshiping feels like an opportunity, not an obligation. Sometimes it might feel like an obligation when you, you know, things are hectic in your house, so you come here and you brought in some drama with you. It might feel like an obligation, but obeying this command needs to be our pleasure and not our liability. Well, I I worked almost, what, three years for Chick-fil-A in total, a little staggered, about three years, and What's, what's the saying? Whenever you say thank you to someone at Chick-fil-A, what do they say? My pleasure. my pleasure. My pleasure. So I got to the point where I got tired of saying it so much. I hated saying that. To the point I would, hey, Alan, thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Alan's with me there. We get to the point where it's just like, I wouldn't even say my pleasure, I'd say pleasure. <laughs> it became an obligation. Saying these things became an obligation because it was what I was told to do. I had to do it. It's a part of my job. Have we treated our worship like that? Is it our job to do this? Do we just fulfill the 30 minutes or whatever it is on Sunday mornings? And that's because it's our obligation. That's the question, folks, that we need to ask ourselves. And we need to ask ourselves honestly. So if you get confused as why things always feel like a mess in your life, maybe we need to focus on where our priorities are. Where does God lie in those priorities? Point number 12, this is my last point. Praise should be our best gift to the Lord. Yeah. Mark chapter 14, if you would, please turn with me. And I apologize, I'm battling a little bit of a cold. But I felt much worse until I came to church. So praise God, I feel blessed. Yeah. <laughs> Mark chapter 14, verse 3. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor and they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone, why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not always have. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Jesus was honored by that gift. Why? Because it came in a great sacrifice. This oil would have been very costly, as they say. Could have fed a lot of people. This was very costly to her. And this could have been one of her prized possessions. And she gave her best to the Lord. Why? Because he was worth it. He was worth it to her. And so that's why I say praise should be our best gift to God, this very costly praise. It costs your time. it costs your effort. It costs sometimes emotions. Sometimes God stirs up things in us. We've got to fight through to get through to that point. But I believe praise and worship should always be a sacrifice. It should be a sacrifice. It should cost us something. It needs to cost us something. It doesn't need to be easy. What's the point of, of it if it doesn't cost us anything, if it's just a part of our ritual? It needs to cost something for us. I believe that's where the matter of the heart is truly. Hebrews 13, 15, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not, do not forget to do good and to share, for with which sacrifices. God is well pleased. God is pleased when we offer a sacrifice of praise to Him. And so I don't I don't know about you, but when I hear the word sacrifice, I don't think of something that's easy to give. If your praise, maybe it comes naturally to you, and that's great. But sometimes it's still not easy. Your time is valuable. We're all very short on time. It's just the nature of what we have going on. And so that time is a sacrifice sometimes. That effort is a sacrifice sometimes. Sometimes I'm singing so loud or so hard that I lose my voice. That's a sacrifice sometimes. you get the point of what I'm trying to say here, folks? God is well pleased when we offer the sacrifice of praise. If it costs you something, if it's your best, He is most pleased. He is most blessed. And so I want to give what costs me the most because he is worth the most to me. Is he worth the most to us today? Is he worth that costly time, something that costs you something? God loves a cheerful giver, not just in our giving of money, but our giving of time. Our devotion, our focus, our praise should be our regular gift to God. It should be a regular gift to God, and it should Hurt sometimes. Do you know what I mean by when I say when it hurts? Sometimes you're having a really terrible day. You're having a really bad week. You've had a lot of emotions going on. you had a lot of people coming against you. Work's been against you. Family drama's going on. People hate you. You just want to go home and put your head down. Watch some TV. Sometimes the cost is what's most comfortable to you. Sometimes the cost is your comfortability. Getting out of your comfort zone. It becomes cliche to say that sometimes, but it's true. You need to get out of your comfort zone sometimes. So to worship in spirit and truth, as Jesus says, I believe it requires sacrifice. I believe it requires our efforts being poured out. I don't believe you can worship God without reference. You cannot worship without all of your heart. God doesn't want your half-hearted worship today. Psalm 24, verse one, if you'll turn with me there. I hope I'm making sense this morning. I really do. Because I think this is really important. I think it's really important for us. Verse one. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He, here's the important part, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek me, who seek your face. God doesn't want your half-hearted, obligatory worship. I think this that's more true than maybe we realize. He wants your whole heart. He wants you to seek his face. He wants all of you and not just a part of you. wants all of us this morning and I think we need to understand that who can stand in this holy place he who has clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul to an idol who has not pursued the riches of this world beyond pursuing the Lord who's who's made him a part of their very focus that is when God is most pleased I believe can we stand When I give gifts to my kids or I give gifts to somebody, it gives me great satisfaction. I get a lot of joy with it. There's a lot of reward in that. So then why would I want to give my Heavenly Father the least that I can give? Why would I want to give my second best, the bottom of the barrel of what I can give, the very last of my attention, when I can give my best, my best attention, my best time, my best worship, something that costs me something, well, I was going to mow the lawn, but you know what? I feel the need to, to worship right now. I feel the need to seek the Lord. So I'm going to take this opportunity. Forget about the silly things, the stuff that doesn't really matter, and pursue Him and seek His face and praise Him and thank Him for His goodness, for His mercies are new every day. Every day I wake up as a blessing, every breath. The last breath I took was a blessing. you offer up praise and worship to God does it feel do you feel this great sense of joy this great sense of reward if not then you need to ask yourself if you're offering your best to God are you offering your best to God Matthew 15 verse 8 Jesus is is quoting Isaiah here he says these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips but their hearts is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of me. God wants us to value him above all else. John chapter 4, verse 23, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Must worship in spirit and truth. What is true worship? What is true worship? Is it just what we do here for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning or whatever it is? Is worship just listening to a bunch of worship music in your car? I believe it's truly the matter of the heart worship is in every action you take yes it's in our time of song it can be in your time of quiet prayer it can be in your giving it can be serving it can be reaching out to someone a loved one it's the way you live your life every day the actions you choose do you pursue holiness that is an understated fact I think a part of worship is pursuing holiness God is holy thus we need to Folks, the ultimate thing here, God desires your whole heart. He desires all of us. He desires your best. Because he has provided everything, every need according to his riches and his glory. So to have a thought, a mindset of blessed, I am blessed, I am blessed. Even if I have nothing in my pocket, I am still blessed because I have you, Lord. I have you, Lord. I count it all as rubbish and trash because I have you. And you will carry me. So let's choose to give our best gifts to him. Make that commitment to offer that sacrifice of praise and give your best to the Lord, not the very least that you can. receive. Give because he's worthy. Give because he's just worth your time. He's worth your time.